City Video. This is Russ. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. Once again, this is an episode of the new release wall. So I'm Russ and this is Zach. Hello, hello. We are pretty much your regular hosts at this point, even though nominally I still have like a million people who theoretically sometimes podcast with us. Yeah. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. <laughs> and uh, if you, like many others, are saying, holy shit, there's a new Tremors movie? The answer there's- is yes, there is. And it goes direct to DVD and direct to streaming on the same day. And there's been several <laughs> because that's probably also, I think that most people probably know that there was a sequel and then probably half of those people know that there's a third one. But after yeah. that, I'm not quite sure how many people outside of like hardcore tremor fans, which I feel like there has to be a, a fan base name for them. You know, how like a, every, that's a really good point. I'm sure there yeah. is. Um, <laughs> I enjoy these movies, but I have I I'm not like a fan fan, so yeah. I, I wouldn't know. But you're you're absolutely right. That has to be a, a fandom where there's like some cute nickname on Twitter. Uh, but uh, yes, this is in fact the sixth Tremors movie, which uh, all of which star Michael Gross as Burt Gummer. Mm-hmm. There were there was also a television series that ran for a season on Sci-Fi, which starred Burt. And upcoming, there is a TV series. Uh, featuring Val, uh, Kevin Bacon's character from the first movie, who never came back for any of the sequels. And uh, Bert is not going to be in the upcoming Val-centric TV show. So one must wonder what the deal is. And certainly they they play a lot in Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell, with the idea of this being Bert's last hurrah. Uh, let me read the the official synopsis off the back of the Blu-ray before we get into our thoughts on the movie. Mm-hmm. Burt Gummer and his son Travis Welker, which is Michael Gross and Jamie Kennedy respectively, find themselves up to their ears in graboids and ass blasters when they head to Canada to investigate a series of deadly giant worm attacks. Arriving at a remote research facility in the Arctic tundra, Burt begins to suspect that graboids are secretly being weaponized. But before he can prove his theory, he's sidelined by graboid venom. With just 48 hours to live, the only hope is to recreate an antidote from fresh venom. But to do that, someone will have to figure out how to milk a graboid. And uh, one note, because certainly I think if you aren't part of the Tremors fandom, or at least if you aren't somebody who has watched all of these movies, you might not know what an ass blaster is. And (laughs) within the context of the film, they are 100%. Uh, comfortable with how ridiculous ass blaster sounds. And so that's a thing that they decided to keep Uh, (laughs) in, in tremors. Essentially you have the graboids, which is the giant worms from the first movie. They eventually evolve into shriekers, which is each graboid eventually essentially molts into three smaller, but more mobile uh, creatures that instead of going by sound, they actually can see heat. However, the Shriekers last only, like, I think two to three weeks before they evolve into Ass Blasters, which is they fly using, essentially, by essentially by lighting their farts. Uh, there is, like, a some kind of internal combustion that happens, and there's a jet of fire that comes up from behind the Ass Blasters. And that was actually, like, originally, 
I, I don't know if it was always intended to be like, you know, the marketing name that they would use from that point forward. But there was like a throwaway line in Tremors 3 where some lady sees it and jokingly refers to them as ass blasters and then it stuck. <laughs> but uh but uh the the fifth film um has actually a weirdly excellent explainer <laughs> about all of that yeah um, which actually like it's actually kind of nice because it actually kind of catches up it, it it almost seems like they knew that for some reason that this one, obviously the, the fifth one that had Jamie Kennedy in it, uh-huh. um, introduced him, introduced that character. Um, clearly they knew a whole bunch of new people would theoretically be coming into the franchise or returning. Mm-hmm. And obviously that they, within, you know, I, I don't know if did two, did two introduce anything other than just like more of the same from the first one. I, I thought I, I couldn't, I can't remember if it was one or two that introduced the shriekers. It's been a really long time since I watched the early installments. Yeah. Uh, I think two introduced the Shriekers because mm-hmm. I don't think that they ever stopped being worms in the first one, although yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say is that the, in addition to watching the fifth movie to get a good explainer, another pos- like another option is out there on the internet. There is a video of Michael Gross in character as Burt Gummer explaining yeah. the first f- five movies in under three minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fun note, and, and this is probably really why they decided to do the like explainer when you come in for five. Four is set in the Old West, and mm. Michael Gross does not play Burt Gummer. He plays his like great-grandfather or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had some fun with that because they played with the idea that you know not everybody would have always been Bert, and that you can have Michael Gross playing essentially a, a confused and cowardly person instead of his regular like crazy militia man guy. Yeah, but so so yeah, this is a, this is a franchise that invites people to go to some pretty weird places. It's it's a franchise that ever since the very first movie has been has balanced comedy and horror slash adventure in a way that weights the comedy kind of disproportionately to most of this sort of movie. Yeah. Very much so. <laughs> and so with that in mind, uh, first of all, what did you think, Zach? Um, I, I, I enjoyed, uh, the, the, I enjoyed the last one quite a bit. I enjoyed this one a lot more. Um, not necessarily for a- any other reason than this one, um, certainly ups the production ante. And they also seemingly, I don't know whether it was just because of the, the way that the, the script, uh, told the story or because of filmmaking or whatever budgetary re- reasons or whatever, they kind of also allowed themselves to use less of the, of the worms or, you know, use less of the graboids and the, and the yeah. ass blasters in uh, on screen. So it was a lot right. more, there was a lot more reaction, which I thought like, it, whether it was basically them reacting to things happening a lot more, like you had a brief yeah. moment of seeing something happen. Um, but then it flashed to, you know, flashed to everyone's reactions going, Oh my God, you know, and almost to, I would say actually too comical effect because it was, it was one of those things where it was kind of clearly a, because of budgetary reasons, because, you know, more CG you have on screen or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is, the more you're going to have it. But also like, to elicit 
humor because literally everybody was like reacting in, you know, very much over the top ways. And, and so, but, but this one, you know, uh, uh, Jamie Kennedy, I think was a lot, his character was a lot more put together in this one. Yeah. Um, cause I think the last, in the fifth one, they were kind of trying to figure out whether he was a complete coward or whether he was brave or whether he was, you know, just in it for the money or something like that. Or like, whether he was literally just Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> thankfully I'm not like a hundred percent that familiar with Jamie Kennedy since like, I don't know what the nineties, like I, I just don't that, I don't remember him that well, thankfully, <laughs> again, because his character is aggressively obnoxious. Um, <laughs> and his character is a lot less obnoxious in this one, I will say. Oh, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, well, I mean, he, he definitely, he turned, he, you know, he takes, he takes a turn, um, at, for the, certainly for the better. Um, and, and there's a lot of interesting things, which, uh, you know, I don't know how much we want to get into because, Again, it's one of those things where it's like, is this a spoiler film? Um, well, here, here's the thing: yeah. is uh, I, I would say we we shouldn't spoil the ending, but I will oh, say pretty so. much yeah. all of the big plot points along the way have been spoiled just by marketing materials or trailers. Yeah. Like the, it's interesting. All of the marketing materials kind of mentions this idea that Bert's life hangs in the balance because he's got this infection or whatever that they have to find a cure for. Yeah. And that really, I mean, I, I guess it happens about halfway through the movie, but he isn't really sidelined until like minute 70 of about a 80 or I think it's a 98 minute movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the main, the main thing I was thinking of, uh, which, yeah, anyway, we should just continue that. But, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting because it's like, if it, uh, the way that they lead that out is that you don't, there's a lot happening before they actually reveal what the, what the problem is. Yeah. Which is like, I mean, like my first reaction was, well, clearly it's a graboid that's knows how to do Sonic, something Sonic because the way that they film it is him basically being, it's the way that most films use. If somebody's like, in you know, using psychic powers or something like that to like, yeah. Cause it's not just like a, yeah. It's not just like a PTSD flashback, but it's like shaky cam and like yeah. weird colors. And so, uh, which I know it, it's very much a sidetrack, but uh, should we talk about the opening scene and the amazing filming that they, that they did? Yeah, that's a good place to start. <laughs> because like literally I started watching it uh, a couple hours ago and I, the first thing I was just like, wait, are they really shooting sand for snow? In the opening thing. Yeah, this whole and, film was shot in South Africa. Um, so and they're still, oh, they're still in South Africa then. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know that from production notes. I just noticed yeah. it in the credits because I was waiting to see if there was a post credit. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, this was shot in South Africa. And yeah. so the fact that it takes place in the Canadian tundra, uh, yeah. it's funny. The movie's called A Cold Day in Hell. And throughout the movie, there's constant references to the fact that, well, thanks to global warming, it's not actually cold here. Yeah. I mean, which, I mean, they, yeah, they, it, they it were was a good way to get around what, exactly what you're talking about, which is the fact that in the first bit, it really was snow and, or it wasn't snow, but the, the, it was very snowy yeah. and it was all that they were just shooting the, the sand and probably some like flown in snow or something. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's the wonders of shooting on 4K is because you can actually just like very easily edit that stuff to an extent. Yeah. I mean, not, maybe not very easily edit, but you can do it a lot easier, 
um, by changing, you know, color and that sort of mm-hmm. thing with like more raw footage. But uh, it I'm, was. I'm sure too that the people who are behind the Tremors movies at this point, like yeah. ground effects, are their yeah. bread and butter. Oh yeah, because you know you've got to be able to make the like moat of the graboid coming. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a, I had the same reaction you did. It was like, you're just watching it and you're like, okay, whatever. And then like when it clicks in your head, like, wait, that's not actually snow. It's like, wow, <laughs> like, that's a that... sand dune he's falling down. <laughs> yeah. Like that was good. I'll give him that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's one thing I, I mean, I've always enjoyed from the, the tremors. I mean, especially the first one, you know, it's just like, I enjoy when low budget, filmmaking especially when it's like sci-fi and kind of in this mm-hmm. world of you know sci-fi reality where it's not like spaceships but it's like right. it's planet earth modern day same technology same everything and then something you know there's a twist and they're able to pull it off um i mean i think that's one of the kind of redeeming features of tremors of the first one you can still watch it today and it works really well like it's still it's campy um, of course, but the original one was campy. <laughs> like when you saw it, if you saw it in theaters or you saw it in VHS or whatever, like it, it really hasn't changed at all. No. Um, you know? I mean, it really hasn't changed at all. Cause like a lot of the yeah. things they do in this are the same like gags. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean gags in terms of like the humor. I mean, gags in terms of like the way that Greg Nicotero on the walking dead says gags. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things you'll notice is that they still have the same, like orange Kool-Aid blood for yeah. the monsters so that when you blow up a Graboid, everybody gets splashed with this thing that doesn't look even remotely convincingly like blood, but it's like this orange Kool-Aid with some kind of thickening agent. That's actually, it's almost more gross because you're like, what in the world is yeah, that? It's, you know? it's chunky. It's yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not pleasant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, uh, this is, this is very much like one of the things we talked about with uh, cartel, 2045 was that it was a low budget movie that was kind of it knew what it was and it tried to kind of stay in that lane so that it could be the best version of itself and sometimes it succeeded sometimes it failed i feel like the tremors franchise has honed that to an art form oh yeah clearly i mean not only just you know just having actors that that you know, down to even having actors that look like somebody who is more famous than they are. I mean, like yeah. a lot of, especially in this film, there's a handful of actor, uh, the handful of actresses and actors who I'm like, wait, is that? And then I look at IMDb and it's like, no, oh wow, but they look like somebody who's slightly more famous or whatever. So like they kind of, they almost like fake the budget, <laughs> they fake yeah, exactly. the, like the casting a lot more. And everybody, I mean, and also like I will say, like usually, I mean, even especially in the last one, there was a couple people where you're like. I'm not quite sure if these people are actors or whether they're like, you know, local like people they found or what. But this yeah. one, this one certainly, everyone in it was actually really, really excellent. <laughs> I mean, because you have to. I mean, with any of these films, you have to assume it's like, well, they're working with a script that's ridiculous. Um, not right. in a, not not judging good or bad, but just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and they don't know what they're reacting to and they don't know whatever and it's like wow, everybody was really actually quite amazingly good in this film. Um and I like to the point that like that actually was one of the kind of the main features that actually kept me involved um in in watching it because mm-hmm. usually, you know, usually these things I'm doing kind of doing something else and I'm watching it like out of the corner of my eye yeah. except when there's like, you know, a big scene or something like that, but like everybody actually was kind of 
kind of fun in their moments, especially yeah. like the the Canadian bush pilot. Like, yeah. Although <laughs> I, I feel like she is, she could her. I I think that character could be considered an act of war against Canada. I thought I thought she was fun. I mean, no, as, I, I as thought as she person. was kind of fun. I just mean like. The, the character she's she, it's like take every canada joke <laughs> yeah, from yeah, yeah. like you know slap shot to uh whatever the <laughs> brothers with rick moranis and randy quaid and yeah, like, yeah. just dump it all into you know um, her, her smuggling uh the thing is though like uh, having flown in a in a bush plane before and yeah. and uh and been to alaska like the whole uh at least and there's not too much difference between a lot of alaska and, and northern and that far northern canada yes. and like the whole live the opening thing with her smuggling <laughs> booze into a into a dry county was uh <laughs> was was actually like something that bush pilots are really really famous for <laughs> yeah. like, or or i guess should say infamous for because they're not you know but but uh, i like those little details <laughs> it's it's funny i one of the things that i find interesting about this movie as opposed to like say 5 is in most of the tremors movies and in fact in most like monster kind of movies yeah. i feel like most of the characters are just annoying and they are there so that they can be the cannon fodder. Yeah. Like they're there to die. Mm. And this movie, it was most of the characters were actually pretty likable mm-hmm. and all the, all the actors were good. It was like, you did not necessarily want like, you, yes, of course you want some deaths because there's going to be the cool graboid scenes out of it. Yeah. But you didn't really want any particular character to die for most of this yeah. movie. It was just, you're watching it going, yeah, these guys are actually pretty fun. And I think and I, that's part. Yeah. So. I, I think I'd say that like, I don't, I think the only person that I could, the, the, kind of the only people, well, I guess one, there's the one person, I mean, beside the, the opening sequence, cause you don't know those characters really at all, but oh, like yeah. there's the one person who gets, you know, taken out in the truck and, and things like that, where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite happy that person died, but like yeah. the, not in the, but that was kind of the only one that was like over the top annoying or whatever. And yeah. like, I, I, did, I actually didn't want anyone else to die in the film. I, I genuinely liked the fact that, because okay, you know, in the description it says that he's convinced that there's somebody's trying to weaponize the graboids, and the reason for this is that he goes and right next to the scientific expedition that has recruited him for help, there's a second scientific ex- expedition flying under DARPA. It's like a joint Canadian-U.S. Yeah. DARPA project, and he spends the first Bert spends the first chunk of the movie believing that these guys are why the graboids are here, even though they've never shown up in the in the snow before, and that these guys are trying to manipulate the graboids or whatever. And they're, by the way, like not DARPA in the way that like you think of them as scientists and that sort of thing. They're almost like a Blackwater special yeah. ops looking yeah, team. Like they got like, a, like yeah, yeah. steel reinforced SUV that looked really unconvincing. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, but I love the fact that when they finally kind of come out with what he's doing there, and I won't get into what that is, mm-hmm. but it's a thing that both completely makes sense yeah. and also really highlights how paranoid and crazy Bert is. Yeah. Which is actually kind of a thing that has fallen by the wayside in the last few movies because once Bert became the main character instead of like the quirky comic relief. Yeah. 
his crazy conspiracy theories have started to be more credible because he is the the resident badass in the franchise. Yeah. And this movie in a lot of ways almost felt like a full circle kind of film because films because it was Bert to that kind of level of crazy. They have this this weird subplot with uh Bert owes the federal government back taxes because he's refused <laughs> to pay it. Yeah. And it, it feels kind of odd and tacked on, but at the same time it's not like disruptive or bad. Like yeah. there's a sequence at the beginning with him and the tax man, which is pretty funny. <laughs> there was one criticism I have of the whole tax uh portion of the, the movie. It's honestly that I would have liked to see them return to that tax man. Yeah. I would have liked yeah. a, a little coda at the end where they spent a lot of time spent relatively at least. I mean, I think it was like yeah, a yeah. minute with that character, like and clearly spent like there was a production level with it too, because he had like yeah. outfit, he had a whole thing. He had license plates on his car that said it was Taxman, right? It was kind of like Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. But that was a fun character. And again, like it's interesting because that's a fun character who is from uh it's not Salvation. What's the name of their town? Uh it's killing me. Um I forget myself. Anyway, uh, it's not from the town where the movies typically take place, or he is from the town that t- typically take place. Everything else with, that we meet is in Canada. And I almost, the characters are so interesting there, and there's a lot of fun stuff going on. I almost want another movie with some of these Canada characters in it. Yeah. And if we do get another movie in this franchise, I think at least one of these characters will recur. Uh, they had a, a, Young lady, God, I should have looked up the other members of the cast here, but uh, there was a, a Jamie Lee Money or Jamie Lee Money, excuse me, yeah. uh, played Valerie, who is the daughter of Val, Kevin Bacon's character from the first film. And I don't feel bad spoiling that because even though it's technically a reveal, it's something that yeah. she reveals within about. 40 seconds of meeting Bert in person for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so with, with Val coming back at the same time that of course her father Val has a, a, a TV show in development, it, it makes me wonder whether she could be a common thread between the TV show and the movies. Should the movies and TV show both go forward? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it was, that was a big, especially considering knowing that, that this is basically the Marvel universe. Um, right. where, you know, <laughs> the movies and, t- and TV shall, shall not meet. Um, at least now, you know, I mean, it, would, it, 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 it is interesting because it's like, I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily a reason why you couldn't have gross come in, but, uh, no, I don't, I've just heard that he's not, that's really the yeah. only, but, uh, but yeah, they also, they have a, a reference to Heather, which is his wife from the first movie, Reba McIntyre. Yeah. Uh, she gets referenced more than most of the characters who are gone, so I don't think that's really a surprise. Yeah, but just having a movie where Val's daughter plays a significant role and Heather gets referenced, and they kind of they have all these kind of recurring things. They actually bring back. Uh, there's a sequence where, in order to lure the graboids away, yeah, they have one of the guys pee from. Uh, 
like a broadcast tower so that the graboid latches onto that sound, which of course is uh, when the first time we see Kevin Bacon's character in the first movie, he's peeing and he attracts the attention of a graboid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was, I, I, that was a fun little like, and it's the kind of callback that's not actually commented upon in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I half expected, even though I don't think that Bert would have had any reason to know about that. I kind of half expected Bert to say something to Val, like girl Val. Okay. Henceforth, I'm going to refer to Val and it's <laughs> Valerie, the girl who execs, who actually is in this film. Yeah. And if I refer to Val, the character from the first movie, I'm just going to call him Kevin Bacon. <laughs> just because when you have a father and daughter who have the same name, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I half expected him to turn to Valerie and say something about how, you know, where I got that idea and reference the first movie overtly. Because uh, they certainly do not have a problem referencing certain things overtly. Uh, yeah. There's a bit in here. Uh, one thing that's worth saying, because it's it's it kind of confused me when I was reading the plot synopsis. Traditionally, Graboids, like, you, you see them grab onto people all the time, and sometimes they live, sometimes they don't. But I don't remember ever anybody getting, like, snake bite poisoning off of it. And so yeah. when the plot description had that, you know, he got uh, venom from a Graboid, I was kind of confused, and I was assuming it would just be a new uh, ability that they introduced in this movie. Yeah. Uh, no, it's just that this, this sickness that Bert has has taken 14 years or whatever it's been since Tremors 3 to uh to take hold yeah because they flash back to the shot of him being swallowed by and then essentially cutting his way out of the graboid and tremors three yeah uh which (laughs) was you know I, i feel like that was even though that movie is is one of the less beloved i I would say most people probably think three and four are the low points of this franchise (laughs) and uh even though most people do not like three i I kind of always felt like that beat in three where from inside of the worm's digestive tract bert figures out how to escape radios to somebody to, to help him and then manages to do it. It was his kind of crowning moment of awesome, even in a movie that was just kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, also, speaking yeah. of the flashbacks, uh, there is an Atlanta Hawks hat that yes. uh, Michael Gross's character has worn in every film. Well, he hasn't worn the same hat in every film. There was a different one in the first movie. And then from there, I think it was the same one. Yeah. But, uh, in this movie, it's a Chicago Cubs hat. Yeah. Which is a lot of jokes at, and I don't, Yeah, there's a bunch of people who just kind of point it out and they're, they, they, they treat it for a minute. Like it's a big deal. And he's just like, no, I just, I I got a new hat. Like (laughs) what is wrong with you people? And, uh, I, I asked Michael Gross about it, actually. I did an interview with him this week, and I asked him about it. He just said, basically, that he was a lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. Yeah. And oh, for one reason or another, they had gone with Atlanta Hawks, I think because uh, when they first asked him, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, what they thought Burt should wear, he said, essentially, 
Well, I think it should be like a ball cap, but probably a Southern team because he seems like a Southern kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they like gave him a handful of options and he picked one that he thought looked the best. Yeah. And now all these years later, he was like, well, what the hell? Let's give him my hat. Let's give him one that I might wear. <laughs> Uh, I, kinda, I actually, I, I really like how they how they deal with it because it's just like it's it's very much usually almost everything else he has has some like level of significance why he carries it or has a story or whatever. Yeah, but like if they're able to actually with this just like play it off as a fuck, relax everyone. I just like a hat. and also the fact yeah, exactly. that it plays off that it plays off like that he might just be the kind of guy that would switch because they find, admit that he's a Chicago Cug fan because finally they won something. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, you but know, like basically a comment you know, that kind of alludes to that. What's that? I think it, I think the tax man makes a comment that kind of alludes yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's a fair weather fan sort of thing. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that because, yeah. Because <laughs> clearly, I mean, he's, he's as, as watching two of these, like within – I think what four or five days of each other um, after not watching. I mean, I think the last time I saw tremors was five years ago um, and, and kind of delving it back into this world. Like I, I, I've really enjoyed and how they've developed, developed this one character. Cause usually, usually on these, these films that have like, you know, 14 sequels to them after like a yeah. slightly successful first one or like a one that has like a cult favorite. Usually like it's, they don't necessarily like they kind of, they have scripts and then they fit the character kind of into what role, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like kind of like how the, the new paradigm of like every, every sci-fi horror film could possibly be a, a Cloverfield project film. Um, now, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they kind of just like, oh, well, we have a script and well, we can move these, put these moving parts around here. And now this guy is like this, but like they've actually developed this character and he actually, like, I actually would definitely watch another one. Like, and yeah. I love the Tremors, the first Tremors film. It's one of my favorite films, but, uh, never really had any interest in, in more of them. Until like you got, you got, you sent me the, the last one and then sent me this one to watch. And now I'm, now I'm actually weirdly hooked. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, I mean, part of that might just be again, as we've, as we've gotten older, I feel like we've mellowed somewhat to camp. Um, <laughs> Consider like, I wonder, dude, Russ, the last film that we reviewed was Cartel 2045. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't even think as we've gotten older, I think, just over the span of the lifespan of this podcast, we've mellowed. Like, well, yeah. I don't know. I'm not over sure if like two years ago I would have, you know, I like, <laughs> like I, I used to be a film stop and now I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I think I not to make it political, but I think it actually has a lot to do with like the last two years where I'm just like, no, I just want brainless, dumb fun. That's all I want. Yeah. I don't want to think. Yeah. Like I watched the Florida project on the plane, uh, on the plane over to the, the set visit, um, in Ireland last week. And like, yeah. I was just like, I'm enjoying, it. and I'm like, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good film. I highly recommend it. Um, but I was, it was kind of homework. Like it felt, yeah. it felt like, Oh, I know I need to, I'm, I know I have to watch, I know I'm going to watch Tremors five on the way back. 
And I'm like, I need, to, I need to have, I need to have some kale with my, with my candy. <laughs> but I, I also wonder for me, at least, because again, for a really long time, I was probably even less receptive to camp than you just because I wasn't as educated on film. And so a lot of things would come down to just story and character for me. Yeah. And and uh, I I almost feel like a lot of it is this podcast and the fact that when we did the rewatch of Josie and the Pussycats and all of us <laughs> were like holy shit this is amazing uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it just wait I'm, it wait, just I'm sorry you just said I'm really kind of you know like you know uh, hesitant to camp or whatever and we're like dude Josie and the fucking Pussycats like if if Callie would yeah, let you yeah. get a tattoo you would have a fucking full chest tattoo to Josie and the you would have no you would have the Ben Affleck back tattoo of Josie and the Pussycats <laughs> and you know it oh, man. I don't <laughs> Um, then you would also have uh, what's his name from uh, Legends, <laughs> Be- uh, Bebo. Yeah, Bebo. Yeah. Bebo. Sorry, Bebo. <laughs> uh, Shit, I'm sorry, Callie. Uh, if I gave gave Russ any ideas, you're like Callie. Can I spend can I spend three thousand dollars to get a full back tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> a giant hideous back tattoo. Yeah, inspired by, but it'd have to be. I'd have to spend more than that because I would have to get. If I was going to do like the Ben Affleck back tattoo, I would have to get Greg Capullo to first draw the art that I was going to base it on oh, because yeah. that hideous back tattoo is apparently from a Batman cover that Capullo drew. I, I honestly don't think actually as opposing it, you should just get that uh, charcoal sketch thing that you have just as a full back tattoo because then it could be gray and like black and white and you'd save a lot of money that way. That's true. Anyway, so graboids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one one more note on the hat because yeah. uh, this is just a thing that stuck out at me. Uh, near New Era's forty seven caps, which is it's the forty seven doesn't actually refer to like a player on a team or anything. It's a line of caps, and apparently they are like a favorite at NBC Universal. They're not even a high end cap. You can get them at lids in the mall for like eighteen bucks. But Burt's Cubs cap is one, and so is Adam Strange's Detroit Tigers cap on Krypton, which, of course, is a sci-fi show. Uh, and that was just a thing that stuck out at me because there was a handful of shots where the 47 was prominent in the framing. And I remember that when I didn't know what the hell the 47 line was before that. Yeah, uh, It's basically fitted... It, it, it's it's caps that sit a little bit lower and they feel like a fitted cap, but then the back is uh, adjustable, so yeah. it isn't the big wool fitted cap. But uh, I I remember when I watched the first when I watched the pilot for Krypton, seeing the forty seven and googling who's Detroit Tigers number forty seven and why is Adam Strange? What, you yeah, know. Uh, it was featured enough that, was, that I'm I'm actually wondering whether it was a um it was product it was placement. Sponsor, product placement. Because there's a handful of things That's in this also movie. also a possibility I never considered. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, there's – I don't remember that much product placement, but there was some subtle I – mean, well, I wouldn't even say yeah. subtle. But just just like a matter of fact, they certainly weren't hiding it. Like, Lenovo um, had – like, yeah. the laptops were Lenovo. There's I'm trying to remember. There's a couple other things, too. Um, but uh, I, I don't remember them in earlier – like, I don't remember the, any in the first film um, necessarily other no. than – 
Coke probably, but like, it's always hard to tell with things like that because it's like, it's, it's, I mean, I guess everything now at least is, is if it's, if, if there's a Coke can, it's a product placement. <laughs> like if there's no, yeah, doubt about yeah it. exactly. Something, something we, we learned about in what film was that Russ? What did we, what film did we learn about product placement? <laughs> Once again, joking, <laughs> pussycats. Oh, really? I thought it was Hudson. Uh, anyway. <laughs> oh. See, uh, I, I still, for our 100th episode, I think I want to do the, uh, there's a PG-rated family-approved cut of Josie and the Pussycats that they made for the, the rental market. Yeah. Uh, that removed, I assume, nothing in the movie at all except for Backdoor Lover. But <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. I'm just I'm I'm looking through my notes. Uh, did you notice? And this, again, this might be what you were talking about with characters who or actors who look like more expensive actors. Yeah, Valerie looked like the girl from Gotham who plays Selena Kyle if she grew up. <laughs> that's, uh, I mean, I can see it. I just that's a <laughs> that's a that's a long. It was just one of those. Long. I was I was sitting here going, where do I know this person from? And I was, I, I was, oh, she looks like, and then of course now I can't remember the name of the girl who I've interviewed at least five times and who's very nice. <laughs> but, uh, also, uh, and I, I can't remember pretty much anybody's names. <clears throat> I remember Valerie because she's Val. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, the dude with the RC planes. Yeah. The, the Indian guy, I think. Uh, he, his name is Hart Hansen, like his character name. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if he was accidentally or on purpose named after the guy who's the showrunner on Bones. <laughs> uh, that's such an odd name. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> it would be a very but, esoteric uh, jump, but yeah, I see what I see. What yeah, you're yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't know but why I, he would have been, but yeah. Uh. One question that immediately occurred to me that probably occurred to other people who are kind of casual fans of this franchise yeah. is when they needed to capture a graboid and essentially, you know, get something from a living graboid without without it being killed. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that's a big plot point in this movie because it's, it, you know, it, it's basically impossible because they don't actually have much in the way of intelligence. They will literally run themselves into a brick wall and die. Yep. Uh, and, and they don't stop for pain. You know, there's no fight or flight response. Yeah. So yeah. The, there's a whole <laughs> thing in this movie about how difficult slash impossible it will be to save Bert's life because of the, the way Graboids kind of work. And of yeah. course my, my first thought was about El Blanco. Uh, do you remember El Blanco? El Blanco. What was that? Was that in the last episode or, or was that our last? El, no, 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 no. El Blanco was in Tremors 3. Oh, no, no, uh, I don't then. No. And then then the TV show. El Blanco was a an albino graboid and El Blanco was infertile, which means that El Blanco never molted into shriekers. Ah. And essentially because the same, you know, it, I guess it maybe had no libido or it had no whatever it is that makes the things vicious. Yeah. And so El Blanco eventually essentially became a tourist attraction in perfection for a while. Yeah. And so that was, uh, 
my first thought was, what about El Blanco? And uh, the answer to that is, I- I'm guessing he is dead. Just yeah. because I did a little bit of research. <clears throat> and uh, it looks like the lifespan of a Graboid is like nine months until they become a Shrieker. And then there's like two to three weeks where it's a Shrieker before it becomes an Ass Blaster. Yeah. Nobody knows exactly how long Ass Blasters live because <laughs> they reproduce so quickly that you have to kill them basically immediately. Yeah. But I'm guessing if the, cause I think Tremors three is 15 years ago now. So you come to the point where it's not particularly, I, I don't see a scenario where animals that molt for nine months and then have two to three weeks in one stage. Yeah. I can't imagine they have more than a couple of years in that final stage before they would just die off naturally. Yeah. So no matter what the scenario is, your uh, unhealthy uh, gra- graboid probably will not last more than you know the few years that it took to get to the TV show. Yeah, yeah. and there is there uh-huh. is a bunch uh, there is a bunch of uh, in in this film like there are clearly lots of sets setups for for ki- for continued films because yeah there's 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 little things that you're like oh uh, like I'm thinking about now like wait that that thing survived or that thing is still around potentially. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah. You, you, you can still hope you can still hope for a, uh, for a seven. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, again, it's an interesting thing because at this point with six films, I, I feel like it's just one of those franchises that exists yeah. because it exists. <laughs> and like, you like would land, like, like land before time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but because of the fact that Universal clearly sees this as a potential kind of tentpole franchise and because of Kevin Bacon finally being willing to come back for some iteration of it, <clears throat> I feel like this was the first time in a while that they had to have real conversations about, okay, what if we needed to end the movies in order for this TV show to go forward? Yeah. Uh, and if, if this was the last one, I think it's a pretty satisfying final chapter. Yeah. It certainly gave you a lot of it gave you some closure on some storylines and yeah. it, 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 in places where it didn't give you closure it at least gave you kind of the illusion of closure so that you can imagine for yourself where they're going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but uh I I kind of I don't know. I I feel like I feel like if Kevin Bacon comes back, does a TV show, and as a result, these movies stop happening, it, it feels kind of like a carpetbagger coming in and ruining shit. Because even though, yeah, Kevin yeah. Bacon was in the first movie, yeah, he's not like Val is not this franchise and yeah. hasn't been since the very first film. Yeah, and so it would be really weird to me if they, in order to get Kevin Bacon back, they had to essentially abandon the franchise at a time when. They've made. I think this is probably the best Tremors movie since Tremors one or two. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah. yeah, and and so yeah. It, it would be really odd to me if at a time when the movies are actually super entertaining, yeah. they abandoned this franchise in exchange for not even a really huge star, but Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, and and so it, it'll be interesting to see. I definitely yeah. I think I, if if the if the series did end this wouldn't be a bad place to go out, but it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I think though that the way that they're 
pushing the film and the way that the TV series is. I think that both of these, these, I, I can understand, um, whoever the got, you know, these ex gods in the sky going, yeah. we can't have both of these. I like, I can see where you're like, ah, yeah. confusion, but there's certainly a world where, because he works in such a world that is, he's so independent. Cause I mean, like to the point that like mm-hmm. Reba McIntyre, his wife isn't in the film, but still exists. Like both of these could exist in the same world. And there actually would be like a fucking fun whole line that like the next film being, God damn it. That Val is, you know, taking my spotlight and, you know, it'd be this competition yeah. you know, sort of thing. I mean, obviously it's super weird that one's a movie and one's a TV show. And the TV show one is probably going to be the per episode, larger budget one. <laughs> Than, than, yeah. uh, than, than yeah, the right. film, um, but I don't see I don't see a reason why. And in fact, I think it'd be actually uh, fun to see to see both at the same time. If for no other reason than mm-hmm. like, this is, it's actually almost kind of a this is like untread territory when it comes to uh, when it comes to like this sort of like revival, like because yeah. I can't think of any other I can't think of any other movie. Uh, that had like multiple sequels that then got a TV show that's probably gonna at least, you know, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a thing. Like, it, yeah. whether it only lasts one season or not. I mean, cause I mean, who knows what Kevin Bacon's level of interest is gonna be on anything. I mean, he's done a handful of TV yeah. shows just to, you know, because he, he lost his, he lost his like money in, in with Bernie Mad- Madoff, right? Didn't he? I think so. I yeah. think of him. Yeah, I think because yeah. the. I think that's why he did the following. At least that's why. Like I remember vaguely remember somebody telling me that. Yeah. Uh, whether or not that's true or not, who knows? I I, I doubt. Yeah, that. yeah. But I doubt but that I there's a Kevin Bacon interview me. going. Yeah, I did that TV show because I lost all my money. Like there's yeah. usually not. Usually that doesn't come out until years later. But also the following was relatively popular. I mean it was right it's past tense i think yeah yeah. Uh, yeah 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 it was popular and you know well received and in, in that in the way in the level that it could be but uh it, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how the studios and how not only you know studios i mean fans will i'm not quite sure you'll get that many fans crossing over from from the from the tv series to the movies but it's you know it's a it'd be a very fun fun idea to be able to like actually have <laughs> have him be like yeah. complaining that somebody's taking his spotlight and and whatever and like and then one could feed yeah. into you know one the movie the movies then could exist in a world where they're not affecting the TVs TV thing and not really even living off of it but could like you know could at least feed off of that a little bit you know yeah yeah and it's not even like for example Ash versus Evil Dead where yeah yeah they had the remake and then Ash versus Evil Dead was happening at the same time mm-hmm. because those were distinctly and specifically different universes. So unless the TV show comes out and then the first episode says, Oh yeah, Burt Gummer, he died the week after that first Tremors infestation. Yeah. And for some bizarre reason establishes that they're in a totally different, you know, version of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's different I, Tremors timelines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would assume that just by virtue of having Kevin Bacon as Val, it means they're in the same timeline. Yeah. Uh, and then, so it is kind of, it just, it's, it, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just kind of adding that in. Yeah. Cause I know that yeah. if I was listening, I would be like, well, what about Ash versus evil dead? But it's kind of a different animal. 
Yeah, but they're uh, on continuing film, and also Ash versus Evil Dead just got canceled. So, yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. No, t- yeah, I did yeah. talk to when I talked to Michael Gross. He did tell me that he's been talking. He he had a conversation with executives at Universal the day that we talked, which I think was Thursday. Yeah. About potential ideas for a Tremors seven. And it sounded very much like he was being as noncommittal as a human being can be while still saying <laughs> that he's taking meetings. Do you in the back of your head already have a sense for like, this is what I'd like to do next year. This is a challenge I'd like to see Bert face next. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, as a matter of fact, I had a conversation about it today uh, at universal. Uh, they are believe it or not, they're kicking around ideas for Tremor seven. Now, whether that actually gets mm-hmm. made or not, I have no idea. I'm not going to bet on it because I'm not, I'm not a, uh, a betting man. I've, lo- I've lost my shirt too many times on bets, so particularly in this business. But um, uh, but they're talking about what would we do next, and uh, I was mm-hmm. having ideas about that while we were still doing uh, Tremor 6. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, I have ideas. I'm not at liberty to uh, divulge them to you, or I'd have to kill you. But uh, <laughs> Russ, but no, I um, yeah, my 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 little brain is cooking about just w- what's the next evolution of him. Mm-hmm. What does he have to face next, and um, what does he need? What is what does he what does he want? And uh, and and we're, and how are the, how do the monsters change too? If if they do, mm-hmm. where do we take this next? So it's very much part of my thought. So my guess is that Universal has no plans to shut down the franchise unless this one turns out to be a massive disappointment, yeah, financially or something else changes. But again, that's just my speculation. Uh, yeah, I will say there the the. Uh, <laughs> A, one another thing that Gross told me in the interview. Apparently, the whole thing with the Guinness Book of Balls. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which popped up twice in this. Apparently, yeah. that was uh, that was a Jamie Kennedy improv. <laughs> that, and and maybe I'm wrong, and and I'll try to make the avail or the uh, audio of the of our conversation available uh, yeah. for for people to listen to. But I I got the impression it was a Jamie Kennedy improv for his scene. And then they later went back and put Bert's scene in yeah. so that then he was copying Bert. Uh. Um, <laughs> and and it's funny because these two guys, if you look at their characters and you look at their physical appearance and you look at their body of work, yeah. their approach to acting <laughs> is as different as you would think. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Kennedy told me that he he thinks Gross essentially tolerates him. That <laughs> uh, they they work well together. He enjoys the experience, but that uh, the Jamie Kennedy experience is such as it is. But that uh, because he he's so prone to like goofing around and to improv and blah 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 yeah. blah, yeah. and that Gross shows up to the set every day and he's got. He's got. He's prepared and he's precise and he's professional. Uh, that Jamie Kennedy was just like, yeah, it, it's actually it's a really it's a really good thing for our characters because that's basically us in real life. Yeah. And when I talked to Gross about it, he he 
challenged the assertion that he tolerates Jamie. He said that he really <laughs> likes him and that he thinks he's a good actor. Yeah. But in all other respects, he essentially corroborated it. He said, Jamie comes in and he wants to screw around. And the way that the compromise that we've come to is that we start the day and we get it as it's written. And then once the director's convinced that we have it, that's when Jamie can have a couple of takes to do his thing. And then sometimes his thing is better than, than what's written and we roll with it. Sometimes yeah. it's not, but then we didn't, screw, we didn't lose the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, that's a, that, that's a totally yeah. solid approach to that. But uh, it, it kind of amuses me to know that what you would imagine as an outsider, just looking at those two actors and playing those two characters, it's, yeah, yeah it's exactly what you would think. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not, it's, not only is it not too surprising, but I mean, also it's, it comes down to, you know, the guy, I mean, obviously Jamie Kennedy's done a lot of work, but like, right. you know, like for God's sakes, I mean, he was, which always blank. I, I've been spending this time trying to think of like, why other than tremors, why do I know Michael gross? And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> he's Mr. Keaton. Like yeah. <laughs> just without a beard and the hair, you're like, he's a, yep. he's a completely different person. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm yeah. like, yeah, he did. He did uh, one of the most popular sitcoms of all times for seven years, and and you know, even though it was a, it was a '80s sitcom, so it's not like you know Shakespeare yeah. or anything like that. But it was like you know, he is. You have to be a fucking professional if you're going to do a day. You basically do like that sort of work, um, yeah. time and time and time also, again. But let let's also just say that he. Uh, it's it's a character that is 180 degrees different from Burt Gummer. Oh, my god. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you, if you want to see what a good like what 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 a chameleon Michael Gross is as an actor, all you yeah. have to do is watch like three episodes of Family Family Ties. Yeah. Where he's I wouldn't say I wouldn't go so far as to say effeminate, but he's definitely he's classic he's, liberal. He's like Yeah. 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 And yeah. and I think he's a psychiatrist or something. He's very professional. He's very white collar. He's yeah. very liberal. And and you just you kind of look at it and go that one of the things I asked him and, and I didn't get a straight answer because we kind of got we got off the rails in the conversation, but one of the things I asked him was, you know, when you first took this job, it was one year removed from family ties. And yeah. you know, was Bert kind of rebelling against being typecast as uh, and I can I can never remember his dad his, the, the the dad's name. It's Alex P. Keaton is the kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just call him Mister. But Keaton. you know, yeah, yeah Mister. Keaton. But so I I, I asked him essentially because that's in my head. I'm just that makes total sense that you would yeah. take Tremors because it's so completely different from what you've been doing for the last seven years that it's yeah I'll never get typecast as Keaton again <laughs> if I'm Burt Gummer. Yeah. And then 25 years later, you're still Burt Gummer. Yeah. Uh, wow. So actually, uh, but, uh, actually, it wasn't a year. Um, according to this Mental Floss article and the interview attached to it, um, Michael Gross started filming one filming one day on the set of Tremors after finishing the beloved sitcom Family Ties. Jeez, that's amazing. Like, so literally, he just switched. <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's actually really fantastic oh my god um 
it is, I mean, it is interesting. Like I would love to, I would love to talk to him. I am sure it's one of those things where like the PR agent would be like blowing up the phone lines at, at like at AT&T headquarters as opposed to have him actually talk about this at all. But I mean, like it is interesting how the character, you know, I mean, it would be so easy to have him drift into Alex Jones territory and kind of, because the yeah. right wing, the character that he was in, um, in the Tremors first film, like right. that character, if done today would be very, to me would be very different. It, we, we, we would just view oh, yeah. it as different. Like it, he literally could play the same exact character. If that film came out today, we'd be like, well, dude, the guy is, <laughs> the guy's going to go and shoot up a place. And, you know, I mean, do you know, yeah. just we, the, the, what we know of people, we would assume he's a racist. We would assume, you know I mean? Like all that baggage that comes yeah. along with being, a, a gun nut in a trailer with a, you know, like with conspiracy, yeah. you know, laden things. And, and Atlanta Hawks hat, which is red and white, would immediately implicitly become a MAGA hat. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, and like it would be so easy to do that. And they would have to do, you know, the, I, you, no, I would have no doubt, uh, like that he would have a MAGA hat, like if, like some yeah. director got a hold of it. But it is, it's, it's yeah. interesting because like it makes me think Art Bell just passed away. Um, he's, uh, he's kind of probably the most famous non dangerous conspiracy theorist in, in the w- world. Yeah. Um, he did, um, a late night program, which I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, but it was, if you can find like uh, old audio tapes, I, mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but like you can find, I'm sure you can find YouTube videos and things like that, but like, search art bell radio um and it's his stuff was absolutely amazing he had uh you know our mutual boss uh like greg palestine a lot to talk about voter suppression and things like that but he has this enormous audience and like bert reminds me more of art bell where it's not the aggressive dangerous alex jones where it's like you need to go out and do something about this it's just like no i believe in aliens i believe in you know i believe that there's you know darpa is bad or potentially bad or doing weird things that that maybe darpa is you know controlling the weather but but not in a like it's not it's malicious it's not in a malicious like you need to go out and and take care of that the way that that jones and and so many of the other like crazy conspiracy theorists that are out there now um and do it. And it's a challenge that it, it's a challenge that the, the X Files had when they brought yeah, back the exactly, X Files yeah. to make Fox Mulder not Alex Jones. And and both in the case of the X Files and in the case of Tremors, part of it is that <clears throat> you didn't have that corrosive, violent element in mainstream culture yet. When they, well, the, I mean, the X Files had to deal with it with having basically having an Alex Jones type on it. And and kind of throwing him. Oh yeah, that the, in the reboot. Stuff. Yeah, they totally. Yeah, yeah. Did I'm that. sorry. In the reboot, when they brought uh, it back, what I'm saying is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but you're right. I totally forgot about that. But yeah, uh, but one of, the, I mean, I think that in both cases, Fox and Bert are insulated by the fact that now they are 25 years on and they've never done anything horrible and they've never gone on a <laughs> rant about, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, when you think about it, at the time when Tremors started, conspiracy nuts were an oddity and they were amusing and they weren't dangerous lunatics who were putting the lives of others at risk. They weren't president of the United States and all of these things that they are now. 
and yeah. and so it's 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 a weird thing to kind of look at Burton. You're exactly right. It's like yeah, this is not a like this character wouldn't get a broad base of like support if only because there would be a lot of liberals who wouldn't like him because he's too much like. Uh, you know the the hardcore conservatives that scare them, yeah, yeah. And there would be too many conservatives that wouldn't like him because they're like, "Oh, Hollywood's trying to make fun of us." Yeah, uh, yeah. Even though he's very much like I mean, that's one thing that you actually re- if you rewatch it now, you you go, he is almost the most reasonable character in the whole film, and he's making yeah. good decisions while everyone else is making terrible decisions. And, like, he is genuinely the hero of, of that film. Yeah. And yeah. basically uh, the only reason he fails is because all the other characters are running around, like, screaming idiots, and he's like, no, I'm just going to yeah. camp out in my place. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. like, the only bad mistake he makes is, for some reason, deciding to make bullets um, at at the time as opposed to already have been prepared, which is something you should have been with, yeah. with lots and lots of bullets. And he turns on that, that machine and that that's the thing that destroys his compound. Um, yeah. as it, as it be, um, <laughs> the trailer with, the- <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just, that's, that's something that like watching these two things, especially is, you know, like I, 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 I kind of know Art Bell. I know I personally know Alex Jones and like watching this and going, he could really easily just go into like full crazy land, but then his character. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't, I, yeah, I guess it would have its own, its own, you know, even smaller, um, you know, kind of fan base, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's see how much we can get a niche inside of a niche. Instead of a niche. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the info info wars is, the second was at least the second largest uh youtube uh youtube uh page True. on on uh, the net so i mean or you know so it's 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 hard to argue that a show couldn't succeed just based on on getting that base and which you know thank fucking lord they haven't gone that way <laughs> yeah yeah uh a couple of little things that just i i moments that amused me or things that I wanted to comment on that I don't think we're ever going to come to naturally because they're just kind of, uh, uh, the next door neighbor character, the DARPA guy, uh, in the first scene he's in, he can't seem to decide what the hell he's supposed to be doing with his accent. Yeah. And it was really distracting. And I didn't, for the rest of the movie, I didn't really notice it. I don't know if he got better or if my brain just adjusted. Yeah. But that first scene was jarring and it was just, what's going on here? Uh, yeah, I still can't, I still can't figure out what, uh, what the deal is, like whether or not they actually, like he's purposely trying to throw people off or because it seems almost, it seemed almost purposeful to me. Like yeah, it was like comically he, bad. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause he's clearly playing a absurd character. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. He basically he's playing like the Alex Jones version of, uh, of, of a, a DARPA yeah. character, of a DARPA person, you know, and even yeah. though, even though he's kind of playing an adorable, <laughs> like, yeah, non-scary, not everything, which is something I enjoy that, like, they, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. also, I think that, uh, uh, I mean, no, the, I can't remember if the ass blasters have always had fart noises when they take off, yeah. but, that was that was the moment when the gag got a little too on the nose for me. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, guys, dial it back just a touch. 
just a touch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no. I'm 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 happy that they're li- they limited the the uh the ass blasters because it was not <laughs> th- those those characters are not the, the or those characters those things whatever they are are not the uh not the best part of this series. <laughs> no, even the shriekers aren't really the best yeah. part. Of it. Like once it gets beyond being a graboid, it's not the same thing anymore. Like yeah. when when you have the shriekers that that are like heat seekers, and then you have the graboids that or the uh, uh, the ass blasters that are flying heat seekers, yeah. it, it becomes an entirely different monster. And in a lot of ways, it's actually a lot easier to kill them because they are essentially human sized. And yeah. you know, when they fly, they have wings, which means you can damage you know whatever. Uh, so to me, I. I it's always nice to see when they actually use the Shriekers and the Ass Blasters just because it is part of kind of the, the larger mythology yeah, of yeah. The, the story. But at yeah. the same time, uh, I'm glad when it's, okay, we're going to have one just to acknowledge that this is a thing that exists. And then the rest of the time, we're going to focus on what the audience yeah. really is here for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and, and, and the world that they, the, they, that they built for this one, which is, I, I enjoy that they just kind of, ex- that like the conspiracy world, like you never had a moment where Bert, like, I'm just thinking about now, like you didn't have a moment where the, where Bert doesn't deny climate change. Oh because yeah. It's literally yeah, what they're talking about. It's like, oh, the world climate change is making the Arctic this, this, and this, and whatever. There's not a moment where he goes, well, that's not true. You know, that's DARPA doing. Yeah. So, I mean, there, like, there was a lot of really easy setups. So even even one of the more famous like conspiracy nuts of the of the of film history yeah. believes in climate change, or at least allows climate change to be true. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but we still have we still have a president, and we have other people who think it's a it's a hoax or a conspiracy. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'll, I'll also say, going back to the point about the, the ass blasters, that uh, the thing they did in this movie that I thought worked, and they didn't do it a ton, but they did do it, was they gave us something new without introducing another new monster. Because yeah. since it's always been in a desert setting before, you've never had the water attack that we saw. Or at least uh, maybe there was at, yeah. at one point in one of the movies, and I've totally forgotten. Yeah. But it's, it, it, me as a casual fan, I don't remember ever seeing Tremors in the water. Yeah. And so that was a cool sequence where you're just like, oh, they completely did something new, but they did it without changing, like without introducing a new monster, without changing the evolution of the Graboids, any of that stuff that they had been doing in order to introduce previous creatures. This one was literally just the existing creatures are in the water because we are no longer in the desert. And I thought that was a cool kind of clever way to introduce something a little bit new and to give us a visual that we hadn't seen in this franchise before. Yeah, no, most certainly. And, and like being able to have the subtle, like the, also the thing is that, and mm, this is spoilers. I'm trying to think of spoilers. Eh, Like there's basically something else in the water as well that, that, gives you a little bit more of a world of the you know because i mean there's been there's a lot of developing of the of these of these monsters um or whatever we want to call creatures um and uh i don't i personally don't know i mean like i i don't think i've seen three 
So I don't think so, but, but like, again, though, but like, like you said, like, so the, the fact that there's no, there's no real kind of basis for them being in or around water and, yeah. uh, other than, you know, somebody urinating <laughs> on the desert yeah. or, or water coming out of a, you know, a thing, but, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's a, I, 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 I'm curious on whether we'll be able to see some, uh, uh, some underwater one, maybe, maybe we'll have a uh, a Sharknado crossover or something like that. Oh man, I, I kind of want a quiet <laughs> place crossover. What's that? I said I kind of want a quiet place crossover. <laughs> Although really the problem would be, you'd have to find a way to like genetically modify the graboids so that they never became shriekers. Yeah, yeah. because in, instantaneously it becomes they're not the same threat anymore. Yeah, uh, we could have a, you could have the, actually the monster could be one of those films where the monsters face off against each other, like Alien versus Predator, and then the humans are like, oh, "Which side do we take? Do we take any?" You know. So. Yeah, and I, I, I would I would one hundred percent be down for either a Tremors Tremors a Quiet Place or a Tremors Sharknado crossover. <laughs> <laughs> You'd see the I would love to see the. I love to see the crab boys like flying around in circle. <laughs> like, what's his name? Who's the guy that's been in every single Sharknado? Um, oh my god, I can't remember. His oh name. my god, he's one of the nine hundred two one zero guys. Um, yeah, and the but like him reason. just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> him just look at it and go, oh, what? <laughs> but yeah, Tara Reed, by the way, of Josie yeah. and the Pussycats fame. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Have we had a podcast yet where we don't bring up pussy? I don't think so. We've know. had a handful, but this time, since we've already done it three times, I figured that the fourth would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but uh, but yeah. So uh, I, I I I had that same general. Yeah, I I'm down for for ridiculous crossover. Or we get to Although, or, or, like, yeah, I, I feel like this is such a a ridiculous franchise in a lot of ways that I would want the crossover to be totally inappropriate. Like rather than have it be Sharknado, yeah, I would want them to cross over with like fucking Arrow or something. <laughs> yeah, see how your bow and arrows work now. <laughs> it's something that takes itself way too seriously, and you're just yeah. like, wait, what? It's like got a Tremors, you know? It's, it's like the uh, what, what you want something like Tremors and Modern Family crossover. <laughs> there you go. I would, I would 100 percent root for the Graboids in that crossover. Tremors and uh, um, Big Bang Theory. I would pay money for that. I would help produce that fucking film just to be able to see those characters fucking get eaten. I would say Tremors and Roseanne, except for that they'd probably choke on her. So. Oh, you had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin my my. I still somehow have good memories of Roseanne. I, yeah, I choose I to accept. I choose to live in a world where the the current Roseanne is a different one, and we are. But I mean, on the other hand, we are. There's no doubt in anyone. I think it shouldn't be any doubt in anyone's mind that we're in the darkest timeline. So exactly. That's why I currently uh, have a goatee. <laughs> no, I don't. I seriously don't. <laughs> Dear Lord, uh, and if I ever do, please just shoot me. <laughs> there's a shot in this too, by the way. Shot in this movie where the DARPA trailer, one of the DARPA trailers, collapses. Yeah, and in the shot, there's a giant Canadian flag waving kind of majestically in the foreground. Yeah, and having watched so many movies and shows that are shot in 
Vancouver and Toronto and Calgary. Yeah. Uh, my immediate reaction was, oops, somebody forgot to take the Canadian flag out. Yeah. And then by the time I got finished writing that note down, I was like, never mind. That's right. Yep. This actually takes place in Canada. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and knowing that it was shot in South in South uh, Africa means that that's a, a legit prop. <laughs> yeah, I know that was purposely uh, put there because, yeah, they did yeah. too much Canada. Uh, the other two little things that I wanted to mention because I thought they were amusing. The Chattering Teeth toy, I think, is better than anything that Jurassic Park has ever done for their uh, weird oh, little yeah. motion. Like, <laughs> yeah, the water. Like the monsters the water are coming. Yeah, 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 the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a sequence in here where there's, somebody has one of those little wind-up chattering teeth toys, and it falls down on the ground and, attra- and attracts the graboid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then secondly, uh, there's, a sh- there's a scene where – uh, one of the guys, I think it's the guy who has the, the remote control planes. Yeah. Uh, he goes, I told you I've done more with less. And then he like grabs himself kind of like in that scene from Beetlejuice where the guy yeah. goes, nice fucking model. And he honks his crotch. Yeah. Uh, and all I could think was, okay, dude, you literally just said I've done more with less. And now you're grabbing your crotch. This is a bad visual for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when does this come out? May 1st. May 1st. Uh, Tremors 5 is on Netflix right now. Um, oh, nice. Because I was actually searching because the weird thing, I, I try to remember how I searched it, but uh, I was coming up with uh, Bloodlines, which is Tremors 5 sequel. And uh, this is like a weird off the, not that we have any sort of, you know, focus to this one, but uh, yeah, yeah. there's Dawn of the, there's Day of the Dead Bloodline. And then there's Bloodline, the TV show. <laughs> bloodline nice. on, on netflix and uh yeah it's a very popular uh uh ironically uh there was right around the time they were shooting tremors bloodlines there was a supernatural spinoff the <laughs> long-running cw show that was called supernatural bloodlines and it just didn't take like they made a pilot and it never went on tv uh yeah <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure it was supernatural either that or it was vampire diaries I know that both of them had failed spinoffs right around that same time. Yeah. But uh, so there was another Bloodlines that almost existed and then didn't. And then, of course, there's Bloodlines, the DC Comics event from the 90s, which got revived in 2015. Yeah. uh, (laughs) As a miniseries that nobody bought. But uh, let's see if there's anything else. Uh, I will say, uh, without spoiling whether they successfully save... Bert, or whether he kind of passes the torch to Jamie Kennedy's character. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of love the logic that's implicit in this movie because it's something that it's in every movie where you have a rare disease and you need this totally unique cure. But apparently, all you have to do is just get the enzyme. <laughs> yeah. There's no science required. They just like put you on an IV drip of the, the monster blood or whatever, and you're good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's so elementary that literally the hardest part isn't science, it's punching monsters. Oh, uh, I mean, the one thing I don't think that uh, Tremors is, is arguing here is that it's, a, it's, that it's filled with an intelligent film. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I will say there's a sequence where they're trying to capture the uh, Lucy, which is what they call the, the graboid that they're trying to capture. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly clever scene, but there's a, there's a sequence where they're like trying to essentially 
defend themselves from the little the, the creepy tongue things that that the graboids all have. Yeah, and they're like ducking around and trying to swing at it with whatever they have handy. Like a <laughs> yeah, they're taking turns. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and I I love that bit because it's just it, it feels like when you have a bat in your house and you're trying to be aggressive, but you're also trying not to get a bat in your face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're watching the weird kind of spastic movements of it and going, this whole scene, it, it, it's, it's, it feels so true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost wonder if in the, cause I, I clearly, I assume that's mostly CG and not puppets. And so yeah. I, I, I almost wonder if the CG guy was there with like a blue screen, uh, <laughs> sock, that had a tennis ball inside of it and was literally just throwing tennis balls at them so that they could have a real reaction because it it looked that good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That, that I, I I enjoy that. uh, Like this is one of those series where uh, they could, if they could take the, if they took themselves really seriously um, at being like this ridiculous, (laughs) <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, no, be, you know, I, I always go back to the comparison of like Leprechaun, you know, I mean, like where it's just like, I just, anytime I've tried to watch that series, which has been very rare, um, it just feels yeah. like it, it takes itself too seriously and that like it's being completely and totally ridiculous. But for some reason, it really is convinced that it, you should be, you should be, you know, thinking about it <laughs> and not just enjoying yeah, it or yeah. something. I don't know. I could be wrong if there's any leprechaun fans out there. I, um, you know, but, I don't know if they want you to think about it, but I certainly think they want you to be legitimately scared by it. And I think that one of the, one of the yeah. great decisions that tremors made very early on is that even though it's a monster movie, it's essentially an adventure movie rather than a horror movie. Yeah. yeah. So that there are some elements of horror just in the sense of we're trying to survive a monster attack. Yeah. But it's it, they made the very good decision very early on that you know what we're not going to try to be that kind of horror movie. We're going to instead make this kind of wacky thing that has has its own weird identity. And it's funny you made the comment earlier about Bebo. I kind of feel like it's the same thing with like why Legends of Tomorrow works now and it didn't work in the first season that it was on the TV. Yeah, because it it's like. Legends took a year to find its identity, and then once it found it, it was the best at what it does. And Tremors had the benefit, I think, of finding that identity in the first installment, and the first installment becoming a big enough hit to give it yeah. a kind of long lease on life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I, and, I, I kind of feel like that's. Sorry. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna. I kind of feel like that's why the the movie. That's why the franchise still exists after all this time. To me, is because it's a franchise that has always known exactly what it is, and it's cultivated a fan base that's on board for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the first one had had. I mean, obviously, I, it's also kind of realized its production abilities just because of budget. Yeah. Um, not really any other reason necessarily, but, and so it kind of got rid of the few, like, I don't think that I remember at least in the last two, um, any, like those jump scares, there was a couple like jump scares in the, yeah. uh, in the first one, but like this one, especially since it's so much, it's a hundred percent from, you know, it's, you're not finding out about these things the way you were finding out, finding out about them in the first one where you're like, 
what is this thing? Because yeah. they, they spent a good amount of time um, not really showing the full. I mean, you have the scene in the first one where it rams itself into the with the aqueduct or whatever it was. The the yeah. The uh, so you see it, but you don't really experience it in the way that you do later until later in the film. Um, right. But uh, it is it is interesting because they got rid of kind of the jump scares. I mean, it's not they fully committed to the fact that like, no, you know what these things are now. And, you know, we're not going to try to scare you with them. We're just going to you know have a good time. And same thing. I mean, like, yeah, to the point, it, I mean, like, I don't think you could I don't think you could necessarily. I mean, the um, the. <laughs> ass blasters the ass blasters are genuinely disgusting scary like when they do the yeah close-up looking at them straight away because you're like what the fuck are these things they look like a a leech or something like that um yeah but uh you know they actually look like the end of a tapeworm which is interesting that because that's something that bert has they he has a tapeworm at the beginning and then and then only later on you find out something else but um but yeah, so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think that probably one of the <laughs> it's it's a funny comparison, but it's it's a lot like the Marvel movies, where they're now at the point where they're like, you know what? If you're still here, then you don't need us to walk you through it. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're we're six movies and thirteen episodes of a TV show in. Yeah. If you're still here with us, then you probably know what most of these things are. <laughs> and we'll mention some important bullet points. You know, yeah. there's always one or two characters who have never done this before. And so they get the bullet points. Yeah. Uh, in, in this instance, it was actually kind of fun because you had Val introduced and she essentially dump, did the exposition dump yeah. by trying to convince Bert that she knew what she was doing. Yeah. And I was like, that's a nice way of handling it. Like it totally makes sense in the sense that he's this, you know, 70 year old redneck guy. And so of course he's not going to put his, like his old friend's college age daughter in any kind of jeopardy. (laughs) And so in order to essentially convince Bert that she would be an asset and not a liability, yeah. She essentially runs down this litany of all the shit she knows. Yeah. And it's just kind of one of those neat things where you're like, oh, look, that's actually a totally legit reason for us to have an exposition dump. Like, it kind of makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm curious, do you think that she's clearly her, his his daughter? Because she, well, they, she, she was says like, that she's like, your father, but she's like, but... He, uh, he said, well, he was more like a dad or something like that. Like, I felt like, I don't know whether that was setting. She she said he's more like a dad or like a crazy uncle. And I, I kind of feel like what the, I I don't have any doubt that he is her biological father, especially Uh because I can't remember the name of the girl in the first movie, but they didn't just say that she's Val's daughter. She said, they said specifically that she's Val and, uh, the woman who Val left the franchise with. Yeah. Um, and and so to me, I don't doubt that he's her biological father. Uh, I think that what they're implying here is that he is, uh, you know, there's there's a, a a line in the movie where Bert says something like, "I've never known somebody with more un with more unrealized potential than your father." Yeah, yeah. And she essentially agrees with him. 
And yeah. so I kind of feel like what they're going to do is they're what they're doing here is they're building him up as this guy who is unreliable and kind of yeah. like I, I didn't get from the whole well more like a dad or more like an uncle. I didn't get that that's not that he's not actually her dad. I got that he's that guy who like tries to be the cool dad. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that, yeah. Uh, and and. Again, I, maybe I'm giving them too much credit in thinking that they're, they'll probably take Valerie into the TV show and that that will be something that carries over, that her relationship with Val is complicated. Yeah. But yeah. that was kind of my read on it, knowing that the show is coming. Yeah. Is not that it was just a matter of having a little – because in, in previous installments of the movies, they've kind of referred to Val and sometimes derisively – and I think it was always supposed to be a wink and a nod about how Kevin Bacon didn't come back, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this time I don't, obviously I don't think it was that cause he's coming back. Uh, but I, I kind of feel like this is a way for them to do something where they could potentially tie into the TV show, but do it in such a way that's in keeping with the, the kind of way that they've kind of jokingly made fun of Val ever since he left. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm. Because if you remember in Tremors 2, the way that they kind of explained Kevin Bacon's absence was when when the second infestation came and somebody asked them to come help, uh, Val was essentially like, you know what? I did that once. I don't need to do that ever again. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go live my normal life with my hot wife. Yeah. And and it's the kind of thing where you're just like, that's a totally legit – thing for a real world person to do but in the world of <laughs> like an adventure horror movie uh it makes him look like kind of a dick <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so I, I, I it's one of those things where i feel like that was just an extension of this narrative thread that val is kind of self-centered and irresponsible and you know i i, I suspect it's not about her not being his actual child as much as it is about the fact that he was never really much of a father. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Um, I, I would recommend, um, that people, um, I assume everyone has Netflix, um, or, you know, somebody who has it and you can steal it from them. Um, not that I recommend that because that is, uh, perfectly acceptable um but uh i would uh, <laughs> i would highly recommend checking out the the uh the the fifth one on netflix bloodline um or bloodlines i forget um and and watching it first not that you not that you definitely don't need <laughs> it's not that sort of film series um that you need yeah, to uh, I mean, be able to you, watch it but if you literally watch the first tremors yeah you right now it. you're good you can watch six and just be like, oh, wait, there's flying ones they call ass blasters? Neat. Yeah. yeah. And that's about, that's about the level of surprise that you'd be at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah, there's, there's a handful of things, character development, character development, um, but character development that the, that the, that the uh, fifth one does that I think that yeah. allows you to accept it more. Also, it's just, it's just a fun, stupid movie. And if it's on Netflix, it's basically yeah. free. So just watch it. <laughs> like you're not losing that much. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, but yeah, uh, I, again, you know, I mean, especially co- coming from a, a former film snob, 
<laughs> I, like uh, the fact that I've kind of fallen uh, fallen for these for these films over the last two weeks uh, or last two weeks last week, dear lord. Um, <laughs> I, it's been a long <coughs> week for me, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it has been a lot, very long week, but. I would, uh, again, I'd recommend it for basically anybody, like, you know, have a couple drinks, um, get yourself a bottle of wine or a box, how, whatever you need, and uh, and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. And like I said, I think that this is a franchise that I have a lot of kind of general goodwill for, although I am aware that some of the movies haven't been great. Yeah. Uh, but this is... I, I mean, if I'm going out on a ledge, I would say it's probably the first, the best Tremors movie since the first one. Uh, it's yeah. definitely the best from since the second one, in my opinion, because it is, as you say, better than five. And I thought five was a, a big jump forward from three and four. Yeah. So, well, well, I mean, and that's bare not, minimum. Yeah. And, and that's not just um, like a better, more enjoyable film, but like this one kind of has all of its pieces together. Um, I think a lot better, like just even down to the editing and down to like, like, Oh yeah, shot placement. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just the basics of filmmaking, which the fifth one did it's, well, but this one did like at a like kind of a serious film level. Like it's done yeah. well. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, that, w- one of the things they did in this movie that I think they haven't done since the first two is that there are things that are kind of jokes and gags and special effects bits and things like that that are not done in the narrative but that are done with perspective and camera work and all of the kind of visual shorthand of cinema yeah. that a lot of these schlock movies don't delve into. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say it's, it's interesting. Uh, director Don Michael Paul is a guy who you've probably never heard of him. You've probably never seen a lot of his movies unless you're super into kind of these schlocky sequels. Yeah. But he has Death Race 2000 Part 4 coming out later this year. Yep. He did Kindergarten Cop 2. Uh, and I can't remember what the other ones are, but there's a handful of, he did Bloodlines as well. Uh, yeah. but he's, it, he seems to be the guy where it's just like, hey, it's been 20 years since we made a, a good movie in this franchise. Do you think you could do it? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, results may vary, but clearly yeah. this one was entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> the last one, was, the writer the also was entertaining. Yeah, yeah. the The so writer you, also the writer also did three through the three, four, and five. Um, actually, four. Oh, nice. I don't see four. Actually, it, it looks like he just did three, five, and six. <laughs> so, um, so four was an odd, odd movie because the, it was the the whole old west thing. And in, in oh, three, okay. they introduced the idea that these creatures were essentially prehistoric and that they'd been dormant for th- for millions of years. Yeah. And so in that opened up the world to the idea that in four, they could basically say, ah, hell with it. This takes place in the old West and there were <laughs> tremors then too. Yeah. Uh, Cause why not? Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't remember most of that movie. I do remember a shot of Michael gross on one of those big old timey bicycles, uh, which was fun. Yeah. But, I, it's the kind of thing you can even as somebody who enjoys the franchise you can completely ignore four and lose literally nothing yeah because well, they wow. don't I, the 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 uh the writer or at least the the video oh, is he just yeah. credited as, is he just i think he's actually just credited on the story 
um, on, on story. So I actually scratched that. I thought I was like, wow, he actually did the original one did four. And I was like, no, 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 no. Just weirdly credited on, on, uh, on IMDb. So on IMDb, a story credit could literally mean I'm the guy who invented the monster. Yeah. 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 Uh, (laughs) I I don't actually see who wrote it. (laughs) There's just so many people with story and character credits. Alan Um, Smithy. Oh, Scott Buck. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Who is a pr- producer on Iron Fist and yeah, he's uh, a showrunner on Iron Fist. Oh, there you uh, go. and Dexter, yeah, showrunner Iron Fist and the Inhumans. So he is the guy primarily responsible for all of Marvel's commercial and critical failures. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So. <laughs> so as we're comparing this to the Marvel, the Marvel universe, yeah. <laughs> keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> And now I kind of wish that I could go to an uh, like an Iron Fist press conference just to ask him nothing but Tremors four questions. <laughs> and like and we like, well, Russ, how did how did you uh, never get a job working in comic book journalism again? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> it all started with Tremors. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I kind of feel like people would care more about Tremors four than about Iron Fist. <laughs> it's certainly less uh, racist. I don't know. <laughs> let me, I let me look because I I, I kind of want to know now. Hold on. Uh, I want to check out their relative Rotten Tomato meeting. <laughs> um, oh, uh, I had like a tumbler of scotch at the beginning of this interview, and now we're getting to the point in the evening where it's starting to feel, yeah. Uh, happy yep. i'm almost done oh with my that's not oh. fair what's that there's there's no score for tremors four on Rotten oh, Tomatoes. well um, um <laughs> i will say the audience score on rotten tomatoes is uh the rotten the rotten tomato score or the audience score on rotten tomatoes for uh tremors four is 32 percent that is significantly less than the audience score for Marvel's Iron Fist, which is 75%. However, it is also almost twice as high as the critical average for Marvel's Iron Fist, which is 85%. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> and if I hadn't just closed that window, uh, there, there would be some part of me that was curious about what is the highest tomato meter score that Scott Buck has ever accomplished in his but that'll be it for another podcast, I guess. We can just do uh, a, a whole pot, a whole hour on just <laughs> Scott Buck. Just dunking on Scott Buck. Well, that would be actually kind of great because I'm sure it would get us attention because he's the kind of guy who goes on Twitter and flames his critics. So, Well, um, Marvel's Inhumans has 10%. Um, Marvel's Iron Fist has 18%. Um, Rome has 86%. Dexter has 77 Six Feet Under has 82. And weirdly, Everybody Loves Raymond it has no score yet. That's odd. Because he was a but, screenwriter of that. So, yeah. Anyway. Probably the same reason that Tremors 4 has none, which is <laughs> uh, because it's it's a pre-Rotten Tomatoes movie, but it's also a – it's not a, tra- a traditional theatrical release, so they don't have the archive to go back on. Yeah, yeah. I, I but, thought uh, that you were going to go with a different comparison. Like both of them have, you know, uh, 
tube-like alien type <laughs> sci-fi creatures. <laughs> well, you know, what? if you're gonna say it that way. Well, you know the the you know the the first uh, um, uh, graboid was actually named Raymond. So <laughs> there you go, and it was ironic. And everybody loved everyone, it. Everyone didn't love it actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I will say I never liked Everybody Loves Raymond, but I did really like Men of a Certain Age. Which was yes, Ray Romano's yes. next TV show. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember who it was that was the showrunner on that show, but I do know he graduated from SU. And Ray uh, Ray Romano's character constantly had Syracuse University stuff everywhere else. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, that, that's a side tangent. That's okay. Uh, I, any final uh, thoughts? Um, I did uh, actually enjoy um, Ray Romano in um, – that movie with Gene Hackman, which is I'm blanking on it. Uh, Moose, Moose, something. Which is weirdly yeah. welcome to Mooseport. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> which is Gene Hackman's last feature film, I think. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that there needs to be a there needs to be like a great film or a book or something like that about about a group of like of uh, a group of like uh, film snobs that go around killing actors like right after like when they get to a certain age and they do one great film. Like, and you're like, okay, you're done now. <laughs> because, I mean, think about how many fucking actors, like, amazingly, like, Academy Award winners, like, uh, yeah. like well-respected actors we lose to, like, Transformers, the animated series, or, like, a, yeah. a, 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 a frozen vegetable commercial, or, or fucking, <laughs> you know, whatever, sport. You can't like, use, so. you can't use Orson Welles twice in a row. Um, well i didn't know which one was actually technically his last one so i think his final performance was in the the theatrical transformers the movie back in the 80s because he uh he was the voice of unicron and he actually passed away halfway through filming and leonard nimore had to finish for him (laughs) because you know when i Um, think when i think a voice actor that can replace orson welles it's clearly leonard nimoy (laughs) They just, they already had him under contract for an unrelated part. Um, <laughs> literally, that was it. Um, well, yeah, I apparently, Hack, I, Hackman I, is still alive. I heard a rumor years ago that, uh, I heard a rumor years ago that if you bring up, obviously this is no longer true because Leonard Nimoy passed away, but when Leonard Nimoy was alive, if you had brought up uh, Transformers, the movie, in an interview with him, he was apparently so ashamed of it, he would walk away. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I will say uh, a, another good example of what you're talking about is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is the last oh, yeah. film from uh, Sir Sean Connery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the type of film that he should have his knighthood taken away. <laughs> uh, all right. Any any final thoughts before we wrap up? I'm trying to. No, forget. I think I I think uh, I said my my piece on it uh, about basically like recommending you, you should see this film. It's it's fun. It's good fun. Um, I recommend yeah, uh, I, I feel like, a healthy amount of alcohol along with it that it heightens, you know, yeah. gives a good flavor to the uh, – <laughs> yeah. it gives a good nose to the film. So, I, I will say I don't it, – it is not the best technically film that we've reviewed in a while. But it is my <laughs> favorite movie that we've talked about on this podcast, <laughs> like the, the one I enjoyed the most, yeah. probably since Black Panther. Like the yeah. last couple of episodes that we've done where it's just been like, yeah, this is fine. Uh, you know, uh, I, I enjoyed this. Um, 
uh, even though, again, like objectively, it's probably not quite as well done as you know Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but I enjoyed it more. Uh, and and to be honest with you, with Ready Player One, it's really not even close. It's like I would I would I, I will watch Ready Player One again someday, probably yeah. when my wife wants to see it. Uh, but I would watch Tremor Six again like this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know Just if I'd be that fun factor. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I might want a little more time to marinate on this on this film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, just because honestly, I have like a I have like a short list now, or not even a short list, a longer list of of films of this kind of caliber that I'm like starting to get like yeah. I'm starting to get into this world, which is oh god, yeah. like 1990, like 2000. See, 2000 Zach Roberts would be a shame. <laughs> like going I'm, to I'm just going to for... Like, yeah. I'm going for like a pull quote on the second on the second print of the DVD, my favorite movie since Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that, if they would be insane not to print that because it's confusing on so many levels. <laughs> Be like, yeah, exactly. well, I have to see this film now because how does it relate to Black Panther? Like, why does Russ Burlingame or they they would also just have comicbook.com probably, but uh, like, why does comicbook.com yeah, exactly. have exactly. this, this across the board statement about and also then it would be like, then there'd be that segment of people would be like, well, clearly, clearly whoever said that is a racist, so like, it'd just be fun on so many fucking levels. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna not, say, I'm gonna send this <laughs> What was that? I said I'm gonna send this episode to the publicist. I want to see if I can. Uh, getting getting quoted on that TV spot for Krypton has made me bold. <laughs> it's all going to your head now. Now you gotta get every single one. <laughs> I actually I actually printed out because I've I've never been quoted on a TV spot. Um, yeah. I know that at one point Warner Brothers wanted to quote my review for Creed, but it was for comicbook.com and they were like, nobody's going to understand why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, uh, but uh, <laughs> so this is the first time that I'm aware of that I've ever been quoted in some big promotional campaign. And so I, I actually did like a screen record or a screen capture of the moment when it comes up on screen yeah. and like printed it out as an eight by 10 and have it in the office. Uh, <laughs> it's basically, this is my, this is my Krypton poster. Uh, if I had Photoshop skills that weren't embarrassing, I would try to make it like a, like just take this screen capture and incorporate it into a larger image. (laughs) Now I kind of want to spend the evening Photoshopping a, uh, a DVD, the, the quote (laughs) (laughs) to it. (laughs) Too bad. Too bad. It comes out in May and it's not time enough to get it on the back of the DVD cover, you know? So maybe maybe in the, uh, maybe in the five, five, uh, you know, the 10 year anniversary edition. I'll make a, uh, what I'll do is I'll make, a, I'll just make a little meme, like an Instagram sized and, and see if they steal it for, for Facebook or something. <laughs> they should. So. <laughs> uh, if they, if they, I'm, I'm flat out because I'm going to be, make, I'll, I'll make the meme. I'm going to flat out make it the Emerald City video podcast. So maybe then. If they pick it up, maybe we'll get an extra ten subscribers. <laughs> and also, like Jim won't call you and be like, "Dude, take that down, <laughs> take that down." It's huh. just comicbook.com. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, You'll ruin our credibility <laughs> with the, uh, you know, with Walking Dead fans or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, bear. All right, okay. this seems like as good a place to, to, yep, to wrap yep, up. I think so. Probably 15 minutes ago. Uh, probably would have been a better rewind, but yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing anything with this tonight. I'm going to go to sleep, so uh, I'll have time to edit. Uh, so where where can people find you on the internet, Zach? Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully nowhere because uh, like that would be weird if the people found me from the internet. But um, zdroberts.com is a good way to find the my work. Um, you can also find me always at uh, you know usually my voice at uh, the on the uh, Emerald City Video uh, podcast page on Facebook um, and Around the Lens podcast and Insurgency with oh I'm sorry no Visu News podcast um, and my work at Visu.News and Nation of Change and uh, let's see what else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's freelancing That's... trading you? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastically. <laughs> and uh you for me you can just go to Russ Berlin Game on Twitter and there's links to the Emerald City Video Podcast, the Panel Discussions Comic Podcast, uh Archie Digest a River Little Podcast, Delicious Flavor a Psych Podcast, and my author page at comicbook.com, which I am exclusive there, and so that's where you can find all of my written work. Uh because they don't actually care about podcasts. There's no way to monetize them. So, <laughs> so. uh everybody, we will be back very soon because uh I'm, I'm sure we're going to want to talk about something. Like right now, we're we're recording this, and it's before we've released the Cartel 2045 review, and it's before we've seen Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah. I believe because of the release date on Tremors, I will wait until after Infinity War to release this review. Yeah. Uh, that said, so you don't you don't I, want this I, I you don't imagine. want this to kind of like blow out the uh, the the release date of. Uh, of uh, Infinity Wars because I feel like this is going to be I feel like this is going to be bigger. I'm convinced of it. I I fully expect I, I fully down. expect that we will enjoy this more than Infinity War. I just <laughs> no I, I feel like I feel like opening box office <laughs> the DVD sales versus opening box office it's going to be it's going to be really close. <laughs> but uh, but yeah so I, I at this point I imagine that by the time like. We're going to have Infinity War, and then there's going to be the inevitable like cultural fallout from a movie as big as Infinity War. So I feel like uh, by the time you guys hear this, we will have already recorded something else that I'll run very, very soon about whatever insanity the internet cooks up to respond to Infinity War. <laughs> so. yes. Fun times. And like I said, I, I totally want to do a pump-up-the-volume episode. Uh, i got to figure out what the what the new release will be on that one. Cause I want to go like to the old format for that and do like a newer movie and an older movie. Maybe I'll do that suicide squad cartoon and pop up the volume. Totally. So, or the, uh, the Mr. Robot premiere since he said it's a sequel. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can like rate, share and subscribe. You can follow the show instead of just me at ECV underscore podcast on Twitter, ECV underscore podcast on Instagram, and the Emerald City Video Podcast on Facebook. Other than that, you can check back with us soon. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, Podbean, and your podcatcher of choice. Uh, if you uh, if you can't find us on any of those places, it probably means that you don't know how to type. So I'm sorry <laughs> about that. There's, there's not a lot I can do. Uh, yep. 
maybe contact an adult. Uh, so thank you, <laughs> and we will talk to you soon.